And you're back with our Encounter with God, and the quiz is still up for grabs. It is. Nobody's been able to, I'm, I'm just aching to get this one out mm-hmm. there. Well, it's not a hugely well-known story. So this guy was... That was a, cl- that was a pun. You missed the pun. Come on! I you missed the pun. There was pun of the day right there. What was it? I, I missed it. Unbelievable. What was it? You missed it. It's over. Whatever. Not happening. Okay. <laughs> but there was a clue there for those who may have been listening closely. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, a, it's a who am I? Pun of the day. This guy was buried in the Valley of Akor. He stole a Babylonian robe and some money and uh, silver and gold. Uh, he stole them from Jericho. And our next clue is my sin caused Israel to be defeated at AI. Mm. Mm, there you go. Indeed. <coughs> Well, if you'd been fighting at AI, <coughs> I would think that'd be rather stiff workout. Particularly after they lost after a couple of days and you'd be just aching all over. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into our... And it's still just going completely over Mom's no, head. No, <laughs> I'm just moving on. Let's move on to our Encounter with God, our 20 million movement. We are chugging our way through the book of Acts. We're about to, I think we're about to start the last third of the of the study guide of course if you would like to get a copy of the study guide you can give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM and we can uh, organize to get one out to you they're very cheap they're like three dollars or something and uh, and you can follow along uh, this is a study guide that's printed all over the world um, we'll distribute it all over the world and um, yeah so 20 million other people every week study the same bible study together and we like to do it with you on air all right, so we are in Book of Acts, chapter, where are we, 17. We just read about Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki as it's called today. Mm-hmm. I went to church there. It was great. I think I did got to, too. Got to sing hymns in Greek. Oh, in Greek. Yep. I, I, didn't, I, don't think I, I don't think I did that. Uh, but uh, I sort of didn't sing them in Greek. They sang hymns that were well-known hymns, and so I just sang them in English because <laughs> I don't speak Greek. <laughs> but the most awesome thing was, of course, when you go to Greece is there are Aussies everywhere Yeah, because there's like more Greeks who live in uh, Melbourne than do than, than, than in um, just about the whole of Greece, I think. Yeah, well, actually, Melbourne has – Australia has the highest number of Greeks outside of Greece. Yeah, and so when you go to Greece, is you know, so I've rocked up at this church and, of course, the, uh, the pastor there was, you know, an Aussie. I mean, he was a Greek, but he was an Aussie and uh-huh. he lived in Australia his whole life and he was now retired back in Greece and, and – uh, you know, you immediately you just sort of make connections all over the place. Went to Patmos, um, rented a little motorbike to ride all over Patmos in. That was so much fun. Oh. And, of course, it was an, a lady from Melbourne who was there and, you know, she's Greek background. And mm-hmm. Greece is just a great place to go and visit. There's so many, there's it just is. so many Australians. Yeah. It's yeah. the best. <laughs> Lyle, you sound so... Um. <laughs> no, but it's like you can communicate with these people and not only mm-hmm. do they speak the same language because they speak English because they've lived in Australia for most of their lives, but they get the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they get who you are as an Aussie. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is sort of, you know, and, and of course this was after five, five weeks of being on the road and being in some cultures that were very, very different. You know, you travel through Iran, you don't meet Aussies in Iran. Mm, no. You meet, uh, you, you know, and so and it's a vastly different culture and they sort of, they don't get you and you don't get them and you rock up in Greece and it's like, yeah, this guy's an Aussie and that guy's an Aussie and this guy's an Aussie and <laughs> it's just the best. I actually get really bored when I meet Australians when I'm traveling. It's like I've come all this way and I meet more of us. <laughs> <laughs> Australians are everywhere. 
We're like her disease, <laughs> which is such a travel-loving country. I think it's, and people are always surprised at how far we go, but people don't realize that we're so far well, away the from thing everything. Is, we, to go once anywhere, we out, we, to go anywhere, yeah. we have to go far because yeah, yeah. everywhere is far from yeah, here. Yeah, and once like once you get out, like and you're over in any other country, it's like it's foolishness to only stay there for a little while. So you got to you got to make it worthwhile and go to a couple of other places. And yeah, so it's it's no wonder that our country is is actually quite a well-traveled country. And last time I was speaking in England and, uh, you know, of course, um, my airfares were being paid for and I've turned up to get my reimbursement for my airfares and they're, they're fixing up all of the American speakers have come over. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that? Just a few hours flight across the Atlantic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And then they come to mine and it's three times the price <laughs> yeah. of any of the American yeah. speakers and they're like, what on <laughs> earth is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I do, I do kind of love the Australian isolatedness. We're a weird bunch, and I like us that way. Yeah, your your capital city is like the most remote in in Western Australia, where yeah. you come from, is like mm. the most remote capital in the world. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Perth. It's so far from any other capital city. Like it's a long way. Yeah, you could go all the way to I think Adelaide or maybe is it Darwin? I can't remember, but it's a long way to the next nearest capital. It is indeed. Yeah. Indeed, we're extra special in WA. All right, so Thessaloniki. And that's where we were. Where did, where did we get up to in, in Chapter 17? You were about to tell us about this Berea place. Oh, Berea. Uh, you don't we, remember Berea. But we were talking you about don't know Jason. You there or not. I went to Berea. Jason who... <clears throat> oh, they dragged him out and, um, and... Beat him up. Yeah, beat him up because they thought that he was harboring uh, Paul and Silas. Yeah, political yeah. dissidents. Yeah, I can't remember if I would do it. I actually really need to look through my old emails and find the itinerary of my world trip because I could tell you exactly all the places I went after that. Okay, so if you went to Berea, you would not remember remember Berea. Yeah, that's There's nothing there. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually a decent city, but as far as um, biblical interest goes, there's nothing there of biblical interest. We went to Berea <laughs> as part of this Bible Lands tour that I was on, and uh, when we got there. They took us to this one site, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, because there have been lots of, lots of sites that were genuine sites, and you can, you know, places you can go and you can say, okay, this definitely happened right here. You are standing on the place where such and such happened, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. Then, so you have sites in different categories. You have the, the, the legitimate sites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stairs leading up to the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus legitimately walked up those same, same stairs, if, mm-hmm. if, if that's exciting for you. Um, then you have other sites that are maybe. Mm-hmm. This may have happened here. Then you have other sites that yes, this happened here, but it was about sixty feet below where we are now because over the years, you know, archaeological and tells and all these kind of things they they, they build up. Yeah, yeah. Then you have other sites that uh, this is here as a commemoration of something that happened, and there was actually nothing that ever happened here at all, and this is just um, something we made up about twenty years ago so we could bring tourists here. Yeah, i.e., I'm being scammed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so we went to Berea, and we Got went scammed. to this we went to this one little site that was about the size of. Uh, uh, the foyer in our office, I guess, maybe a little bit bigger, uh-huh. and it had some random postmodern statues of Paul and Silas and a few <laughs> other people that looked kind of, to be honest, are a bit ugly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, if you want to go to a beautiful city, go to Berea. If you want to go to a biblical site, skip it. Yeah, okay. That's my advice. Okay, gotcha. But they kind of had to have something there because of what happened there. What happened? Okay, let's start reading for us in verse 10. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. 
And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. But when some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. Mm-hmm. The believers acted at once, sending Paul on the coast, while Silas and Timothy remained behind. <clears throat> Those- okay. Oh, yeah. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. Okay, so there we go. There you got the story of Berea. Nasty Jews. All right, so why is it then that Berea... It's not nasty Jews because the Berean Jews weren't nasty. Well, these one, Well, I guess anyone who stirs up trouble. Anyone yes. who goes out their nasty way... Nasty Thessalonican Jews. Yeah. Anyone who goes out their way to... Good Berean to Jews. ...to head somewhere and turn up Jews. I mean, turn up Jews, stir up trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all back to front this morning. <laughs> Let's stir up some Jews. No, yeah, I just I don't like that the attitude of yeah. let's go cause some. Trouble. And you'll find this, of course, with any people group. Yeah, yeah. You'll find those who are just troublemakers. Yeah, yeah. And the group that came from Thessalonica were nothing but troublemakers, mm-hmm. which is a pity because things were going so well in Berea, and they did go well in Berea, and a very strong Christian church was established in that city. The reason being is that they were open minded. Yeah, when they when they were f- confronted with a new idea, they didn't just write it off mm-hmm. with plain straight out bigotry. Mm-hmm. This is not what we grew up with. This is not what we've always believed. Therefore, this is rubbish. They didn't come at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, as Stephen spoke to the Sanhedrin and said, "As your fathers did, so do you." In other yeah. words, you're doing exactly the same thing as your fathers. You just, you know, if the fathers did it, it's good enough for us. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was born in this religion, it's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. No, they were actually open-minded, and so when they were confronted with a new idea, they had this opportunity. Then, uh, and they, they took that opportunity to say, "Okay, this is new. I haven't thought about this before." Uh, let's look into it, let's study it and find out whether it's true or not. And they did this on a daily basis with diligence. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And I think that's commendable in anybody. You know, it, it can be, I don't know, have you ever been confronted by something new, Mon, that, you know, it was, it was something, you know, I didn't grow up with this, this is not what I was taught. And just, uh, just you know, offhandedly, just like, I'm not even going to think about it? Yeah, I think I have. Don't ask me what, though. It, it's, it's, a human, it's a human nature yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet the Bible says that we should not be like that. Mm-hmm. We should be like Bereans. You hear something new and you stop and think about it. And you say, okay, does this have the possibility of legitimacy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If it has the possibility of legitimacy, then it's worth investigating. Yeah. And digging deeply into and finding out answers on. Yeah, it's very admirable. Yeah. Um, I know that there's been occasions when, you know, I've been really seriously challenged in my beliefs. And there's been certain things that, you know, and positions that I've held and preached, you know, over long periods of time. And then somebody's come along and challenged me on it and said, okay, is this, is this a really a biblical position? And the temptation is just to disregard it out of hand. Of course, because yeah. particularly when you've stood up the front mm-hmm. and presented in front of large mm. groups of people, the temptation is very, very strong because there's a whole pride thing that comes mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm right. I'm not wrong. I've never been wrong. I'm not going to be wrong on this. And to just stick by your guns. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that whole humble pie thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
Mm-hmm. For people like myself, we eat it a little bit too regularly. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, but it is true, and I, I, yeah, I mean, after I graduated from Bible college, there was a lot of, um, you know, things that I, I also, you know, was quite vocal about, and then over the years, I've had to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's not actually the way mm-hmm. it is. And you know, I think as young people that we often tend to be that way. Yeah, exactly. I know I was very idealistic as a young yes. person and that's great. Yeah, everything's black and white. You're so yes. I- yeah, idealistic and gung ho. And uh, and that's fantastic. And mm-hmm. I just uh, I love that about young people and then of course as an older person you see a broader perspective yeah. on certain mm-hmm. things. And, um, yeah, I guess in some ways I, yeah. I miss that idealism of Yeah, youth. I mean, you can do a lot of good in that phase, don't get us wrong, but you do still need to be like the Bereans and remain open-minded and ready to study stuff out and ready to, you know, b- humble yourself. You yeah, know? that's right. And, and and to look for a thus saith the Lord for what mm-hmm. you believe. You know, mm-hmm. what, does the, what does the Bible actually say? And that's what they are doing here in, in this situation. Okay. When was the last time that you diligently searched the scriptures in order to find out whether something was true or not? Well, that's a good question. Uh, something was true or not? Um, I'm thinking. I'm blanking. What about you? This week. Oh, what did you search? Okay, so I've had an interesting discussion uh-huh. on Facebook. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Facebook fueled Bible study. Gotta love those. <laughs> yep. Facebook fueled Bible study. Mm-hmm. On the issue of caffeine, oh, tea, oh, coffee, obviously, now, yeah, yeah, and uh, the health benefits and non-benefits. Now, the Bible obviously doesn't mention tea or coffee because you know those beverages didn't exist, mm-hmm. but the Bible does mention uh, drugs, mm-hmm. not medicinal drugs, but you know unnecessary drugs and the use of you know poisonous and bitter herbs. The Bible yep. talks about opiates. The Bible talks about you know recreational drugs. Caffeine uh-huh. is a recreational drug. Uh-huh. Um, as is alcohol, yep. which has created a most interesting discussion. Ah. Mm. Is this on the Faith FM Facebook or your personal? So it's, it's mostly on my personal one. It's a uh, post that I actually put up, believe it or not, in 2017 and then somebody commented on it mm-hmm. like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it just got relaunched and now there's been there's like 70, 80 comments on it and it just wow. won't stop. And uh, And so as a result of that, I've invited uh, Dr. Ross Grant to come on oh, the yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Um, he'll be joining us, I think it's on Monday. Oh, how exciting. Or, yeah, Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, to talk about caffeine and the effect that it has on the brain and the mm-hmm. effect that it has on the body. We're mm-hmm. going to ask him about tea. We're going to ask him about tannins. Nice. I've, I've told people to uh, to jump on there and to just ask any questions they want in relationship to tea and coffee. So basically sit down, grab a cup of coffee and turn on the radio. Hey, I'm joking. just, 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 just uh, we're, we're, whatever it takes to turn on your radio yeah. and to come at it with an open mind mm-hmm. because there have been some some objections there that I've raised mm-hmm. and I've gone, well, I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I was just like, really? That that seems most unusual to, and, and has definitely challenged my view <clears throat> of these beverages. Look, when I, when I was at uni, you know, they um, – they told us that caffeine, because you know it's quite an old drink, really coffee, mm-hmm. and uh, and the most drunk beverage in the world. But if it had been uh, sort of discovered or invented in modern times, it never would have passed. Oh um, no, testing not on a not yeah, a hope. They would never yeah. have allowed it to be. Neither would a nicotine food. or alcohol. Yeah, it would never be yeah. allowed to be a food. Yeah, now if it was invented now, these yeah. days, yeah, 
Yeah, because there's rigorous testings they have to pass and and it would absolutely fail miserably. So I really hope he brings that up. Yeah, and it was actually, it was interesting because I was looking at something just before um, before we came on this morning, um, research about teenagers and alcohol and smoking and that uh, teens who, teens between the ages of 15 to 17, if they use alcohol, have a 4.7% increase in hardening of the arteries in preparation for heart disease. Oh, and smokers, 3.7%. We've often seen smoking as being more dangerous than alcohol as far as cancer goes, but it's mm-hmm. actually cancer and heart disease. It's actually the other way around. Alcohol is more dangerous than nicotine, um, according to some of the research that's coming out. And, and I think that, you know, often we think our modern lifestyle issues aren't relevant to the Bible. The Bible has nothing to say about them, but they do. Oh, no, the Bible says, yeah. the, Bible, the Bible very, very clearly says that basically the whole world at the end of time will be using drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Revelation chapter 18, uh, last couple of verses there, it talks about um, pharmakia, drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, the English translation in the old KJV is sorcery, but that's actually drugs. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask yourself the question, all right, you know, the population that uses what we typically refer to as recreational drugs here in, say, Australia is relatively small, but then you start to include the legal recreational drugs yep. of, you know, caffeine and alcohol, mm-hmm. and suddenly it becomes very large. Yes, yeah, huge. It becomes basically everyone. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You, you look at it on a, on, a, on a global basis, it's basically the entire planet. Yeah, yeah, it's true, true. And so the Bible is actually 100% true. It is not exaggerating um, in, in what it says. I mean, just read that for you. It's a, it's a mind-blowing scripture. I w- I'd love to have been there when the Bereans were studying and having their minds blown. They're like, whoa, yeah, 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 what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's such a good moment. Yeah, talking about Babylon, the fall of Babylon at the very end of time. And it says, and for, uh, for by your sorceries, and that's the word pharmakia or drugs, for by your drugs... All nations were deceived. Yeah, that's talking about the whole planet. That's all nations. This Uh is Babylon at the end Uh of time. And really what it comes down to is this. Satan will do anything he can to damage your brain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're getting way sidetracked here, I know, but it's a good thing to be sidetracked. It's an important point, especially because marijuana legalization is just going worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And how many friends have you got who have blown their brains on on weed? And uh, which, you know, brings it into sharp perspective when you look at that prophecy saying, you know, at the end of times, like we are death at the end of Satan times. Satan will do anything he can to destroy your brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. And the Bible is very clear that at the end of time, lots of people's brains will be destroyed. This is the primary means that Satan uses to destroy people's brains is through drugs. And we're fooling ourselves if we think that caffeine's not part of that picture. Oh, caffeine's an incredibly powerful drug. Good grief. Try giving it up. See how you go. Yeah, if you don't believe me, triggers your If you do like not believe else. me, you're listening right now and you don't believe me, then go without caffeine for the next two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I challenge you. I challenge you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just warn your family first because... <laughs> <laughs> or isolate yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I know this because I, I've had to do it myself. I've had to give up caffeine and it, is, it took me a whole year of trying, failing, trialing, failing. It was just, it was horrendous. It's, so, a, brutal, it's yeah. a brutal drug. Mm-hmm, it is. It's a, and a brutal addiction. Having said that, I do, if I could pick one unhealthy food and uh, and turn it into a health food that would be allowed for us to have, like I would totally, I'd bypass cheese, I'd bypass the chocolate, I'd bypass the ice cream, it would be coffee because I love that bitter, <laughs> that, that bitter taste. Yeah. Never like tried that. it, never tasted it. It smells better than it tastes, I'll give you that. Yeah, it doesn't smell too mm-hmm. bad, but I'm just like, why? 
Yeah. You know, why, why start? I've, I've never gone down that path. I've gotten over the smell of barbecue. I don't like that smell anymore of, of cooking meat, but I, I don't know that I'll, get, I'll ever get over the smell of coffee. <laughs> the grinding beans, anyway. <laughs> Former of barista speaks. There you go. <clears throat> All right, so we've had, uh, you know, and, and so this, is, this, this for me has been a learning process as I've been looking at the Bible, comparing the Bible, and comparing mm. the various arguments that people have bringing, been bringing up, you know, for and against and, you know, I've had a long-standing issue against caffeine. Uh, and people are bringing up some interesting arguments that I've had to actually go back and investigate. And, uh, and so now I've, I've called the expert. Put the yep. expert on there and we will find out. I'm a lily of a field so green Beautiful, content as can be I grow fair beside the river Bright for the
Welcome back, guys. This is our encounter with God section here on Faith FM. And the quiz is still there. The quiz is still here. I'm going to give you a clue. My family, oh, but who am I? My family, my cattle, and I were all stoned to death. Wow. Yes, yeah, very dramatic there. That would really make your body just be aching all over. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd be dead, so it wouldn't ache at all. I mean, it would ache, but you wouldn't feel it. You wouldn't feel Oh, my goodness. Now I get it. <laughs> Take long enough. That is such a terrible pun. It's an awesome pun. Is it the same one that you did the other day, the before that I, that I missed? I've done it like four times now and oh, I've just been completely Lyle. blank. I'd like to make a public service announcement apologizing for Lyle's <laughs> dad jokes. <laughs> it's the best joke ever. It's hilarious. My jokes are always amazing. If you are aching to tell us the answer, <laughs> give us, it's not bad actually, give us call 1-800-FAITH-FM 1-800-324-843 forgive us for our goofiness <laughs> oh the dear best. they're going to fire us for sure <laughs> can you get fired for bad puns I don't know I don't know I reckon if you, we just did puns non-stop <laughs> yeah yeah maybe <laughs> I think I think there's probably I would think we probably have a couple of bosses at the moment like we wish there was a reason we wish we could fire people for bad puns. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an awesome pun though. I, I it's a, it's my, a good one. I'll hand I, you I, laugh, that. I laugh more at my own jokes than anybody else. <laughs> there's they probably a the reason best. for that, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we? Berea. We we're in Berea. We probably should leave Berea. Okay, let's let's go to Athens, shall we? Why not? Athens, okay, so you've been to Athens. You know you've been to Athens. Yes, I most definitely Nobody can ever Athens. go to Athens and not yeah, know they forget, have been in yeah, ba- Athens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Athens has the most amazing uh, World War II museum of anywhere in the world. Oh, really? You thought you remembered something else about Athens? Well, I didn't, I didn't do modern history. I did ancient history. So the tour that I was on was strictly ancient history, which is a bummer because a year's couple, well, maybe like a year or two later, I realized I'd made a massive mistake and I was not interested in ancient history. I was interested in modern history, um, which I would, have, so I would have loved to have gone and seen a World War II museum. Okay. It, yeah. it's, it's probably not the most amazing one, but it is pretty cool. Yeah. So when, when I was in <coughs> Greece and I'm going to all these museums, it was a, it was a school trip. It was a scholastic um, mm-hmm. tour. And, uh, and so you kind of didn't have a choice. You're going to the museum whether or not you liked it because you had assignments and stuff to do, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, like the, the bonus was I got to do international travel as part of it. And a few years later, I went to Berlin of my own accord and, uh, and just became absolutely fascinated with the history there, all the museums. And I went... I went of my own volition and of my own interest um, to, you know, museums and historical sites and stuff. And I just, yeah, I, at that moment I realised way more interested in modern history. There you go. Much like your son. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, so if you go to Athens, you can't, of course, ever forget having been in Athens because of the museum. No, I mean the actual um, yeah. necropolis the, on top the of the hill. The skyline of that city, it's just, it's just amazing. And particularly when it lights up at night and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we had got- a great hotel pretty much in the middle of town and uh, and we discovered like, because, you know, OH&S is not really existent there. <laughs> and so we were just running around the hotel and we actually found these like little scaffolding st- um, staircase and managed to get ourselves onto the very roof of mm-hmm. this massive hotel, and uh, and from there we could just see everything. It was just incredible. And at night, you know, the Acropolis lit up. Oh, just mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah, I'll never forget. Athens one of the, one that. of the best ruins that there is um, mm-hmm. anywhere in the uh, ancient world. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you got Mars Hill there, which is you know these are all legitimate sites where Paul was. 
It uh, mm-hmm. you know in some great ancient museums, fa- really fantastic ancient museums. Yeah. Athens, of course, in the ancient world was a city of learning. It wasn't the biggest city. It wasn't the most prominent city. It wasn't you know the most important city. It was an educational center mm-hmm. for Greek philosophy. So this is where all of your Greek philosophers you know resided and hung out. Mm-hmm. They'd go and sit on Mars Hill and they would you know talk about the latest philosophy and bounce ideas backwards and forwards. And, uh, you know, get themselves into, you know, deep philosophical discussions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this was a, quite a small city in comparison to Corinth, mm-hmm. uh, which was a major, major trading center. But it was a, a city that prided itself on its level of education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to look at Paul's approach as he comes to Athens and what he actually does, how he reaches out to the people of Athens. So, Mon, keep reading for us there. Give us a few more verses. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this blabber trying to say? Blabberer? Blabber trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up. Others said, He seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. And that was exactly what Athens was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was this was if you had a new idea, you went to Athens if you wanted to present that new idea, and that you know then it might be be picked up, it might become famous, it might spread to other parts of the world, or it might be written off as being ridiculous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm very interested to know what they think of Paul's message then. <coughs> yeah, and Greek philosophy, of course, is incredibly famous. It is, yeah. You had uh, you had different levels of Greek philosophy. You had, you know, Greek philosophers who were very atheistic in their, you know, the, a lot of what we have is modern secularism is is pure Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a uh, this was a postmodern society right here that uh, you know they believed in evolution, they believed in survival of the fittest, um, natural selection, all of these things that you know Darwin is credited with. He copied from the Greeks who were sitting around discussing these kinds of concepts way back then. And then, of course, you had other Greek philosophers who were incredibly superstitious in relationship to all. So so in an area like this, you've got altars to all every god that there is on the planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's interesting that the greatest thinkers of their time should come together to this place to discuss and to think. And yet the best they can come up with is... Superstition and rubbish. Yeah, they, they claimed that life came from primordial soup in the form of worms. Yeah. Because they found that if you get dirt and you add water, you get worms. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Life comes from rubbish. Essentially, what they were saying is that life comes from rubbish, which is the foundation of evolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Evolution says there was a big bang and life comes from rubbish. Uh, during the Dark Ages, they taught the same thing because they found that if you piled up rubbish, you would get mice. Therefore... Uh, if you want to create life, you pile up rubbish because life comes from rubbish. It's, it's exactly what evolution teaches today. It's, it's, it is no different whatsoever to what evolution teaches today. This is why we need God. Because you want to challenge me on that? Reasoning. You know what our number is. It's, it's, it, this is such a, a, a good, clear indication of how much we need God and we need true wisdom because when we're left to our own devices, look at the theories we come up with. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, anyway. And then we call it science. You know, yeah, life comes from non-life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's science. That's observable, repeatable, and testable. Yeah, I don't think so. Not at all. That's faith if you're going to believe in that. 
So Paul, standing before the council, addressed the dressed them as fellow as follows men of athens i noticed that you are very religious in every way for as i was walking along i saw your many shrines and one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown god this god whom you worship without knowing who it is is the one i'm telling you about okay let's stop there for a moment because this is a this is a really important one what the greeks recognized was that there was a higher power, a higher force somewhere in the universe, mm-hmm. which is exactly what a lot of secular people talked about today. Mm-hmm. They believe that they believe in a higher power, mm-hmm. but they don't know who it is. Yeah, and so the Greeks believed in a higher power; they just didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. And so your superstitious Greeks that followed the Olympian and Titan gods, they would they believed in a higher power who was over and above those gods who had created those gods, but they didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. And so Paul comes along and it's like whether whether you're an atheist who believes in a higher power or whether you are a superstitious person who believes in a higher power, let me share with you exactly who this is. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on Encounter with God tomorrow. Oh, how exciting. Stay tuned and we'll see you tomorrow with more Encounter with God. <laughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see.
fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. that fear and anxiety are the most common mental conditions in Australia. On average, one in four people will experience anxiety at some stage in their life. I'm David Stojic, counsellor and pastor of Living Abundantly Adventist Church. We are hosting speaker Danny Milenko to provide a scriptural perspective on this topic. Join us at 11am Saturday, September 8th at the Vorbro Community Centre here in Newcastle and visit discoverhopeseries.com for more information. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey Mon, mm-hmm. do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Welcome back, guys. We're up to our question of the day. Have we? Has anybody called in for that quiz yet? No, and I have one last clue. Who okay. am I? My name starts with the letter A. Who was buried in the, in the Valley of Acor. <clears throat> yep. He stole Babylonian robes and silver and gold. And, and he was aching lots after he got stoned to death. Yes, him and his Actually family and his cattle. He was dead. Yeah, um, he stole that stuff from the city of Jericho and uh, his sin uh, caused Israel to be defeated at the city of Ai. But right now, Lyle, mm-hmm. it is time for our question of the day. Uh, today's question is kind of like a, a hypothetical scenario question. Um, it was a bit difficult to sort of put it into one sentence, but basically like what happens if I die before I have a chance to repent? And I don't mean like someone who's been a sinner their whole life and doesn't really care about God and then dies, but I mean like someone who's you know living a Christian life, mm-hmm. who believes God, who loves Jesus, and you know, they, there's that famous, you know, uh, hypothetical, say they're on a ladder, they fall off the ladder. As they're falling down the ladder, they, they swear or something as they're hitting mm-hmm. their head on the rungs. And then they hit the ground, they die. The last thing they did was swear. Mm-hmm. You know, are they now, you know, going to be lost because the last thing they did was a sin? Yes. Do they have God up there and goes, God up in heaven who goes, aha, I gotcha. Yeah. You're out. Yeah, that's it. Burn in hell. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <clears throat> Whole life of Christianity down the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because isn't that what you get taught? Like your last sort of act is, you know, because you have people who live like, like Samson, you know, lived a whole life of sin, but his last act was a good one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he gets to go to heaven. So doesn't, isn't it the same in reverse? Mm-hmm. This is actually one of the most hypothetical, one of the most common, I should say, hypothetical questions that ever get asked. One of the reasons behind that, I guess, is because a lot of people come at it from different perspectives. Okay. There are those who want to ask this question because they see it as a way of um, justifying sin. 
Okay, so, you know, God's not going to keep me out of heaven just because I sinned uh, before I died because what happened if I'm living a good life and, you know, I suddenly sin and then I die. God's not mm-hmm. going to keep me out of heaven for that. Mm-hmm. So they use it as a way of justifying sin. Like an excuse for sin. Yeah. Then there are other people who look at it from the other perspective and they use it as a way of questioning the character of God. Mm-hmm. You know, because to be fair and to be just, God has to keep this person out of heaven because God can't take a sinner into heaven. The Bible is very clear that God's not taking sinners into heaven. He's taking people that have been cleansed and made righteous in his blood. Those are the ones that are going into heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, well, then, you know, this is the kind of God you serve. Yeah. You know, and so people are making accusations against God. Uh, then you've got those who, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few different ways that people, you know, come at this particular scenario and yet hypotheticals are never particularly helpful at the best of times mm-hmm. because, number one, we're not God, okay? Yeah. End yep. of story. The second thing that comes into this is that this is a particularly bad hypothetical. Okay. And the reason it's a particularly bad hypothetical is because God knows our character. He knows who we are. God judges us you know, according to who we are. He is the perfect, the righteous judge. He knows when our probation has closed and God will never... And this is the key point. Allow someone's probation to close while there is still opportunity for repentance. Okay. okay so let me let me talk about that a little bit further and flesh that out. Mm-hmm. The word close of probation is a theological term that we use to describe when a person's opportunity for salvation has come to an end. Typically when they die. Okay. Once you're dead, you it's over. You, yeah, your decision yeah. is made or not made. There are a couple of occasions in the Bible with, say, Belshazzar at his feast or Saul when he goes to the witch of Endor whose probation closed before they die because they've gone to a point where God can no longer reach them. Mm-hmm. The antediluvians in the time of Noah would be a whole generation. Sodom and Gomorrah uh, would be another example of that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go over, we're going to establish this from the Bible. Let's go to Second Peter uh, chapter 3. And verse 9, where the Bible says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Now, this is talking about the promise of his return, the second coming. As some men look at slackness, but he is patient toward us. Watch this. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is God's attitude towards us? God's, is, is, it, is God willing that anyone perish, die? No. Be lost. No. No. That's against God's will. Yeah. So then is God going to close a person's probation while there is still opportunity for them to be saved? No. Absolutely not. And does God have the power to save a person's life or not save a person's life when they fall off a ladder? Yeah. Absolutely. So the whole scenario, the whole hypothetical is a false hypothetical to begin with mm-hmm. because you know it, it's, it's completely against who God is. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. No one's ever going to die in a sin that is going to keep them out of heaven if there is the possibility of them repenting for that sin. People's probation closes once they've made their final decision and, and, and you know, nothing more is ever going to change uh, in relationship to that person's life, you know, regardless of what happens in the future from that particular point forward. Okay, so that's the principle that we all need to remember in relationship to God and who God is. Remember this, God is not willing, it is not God's will that anyone is lost. That's not God's will. God's will is that everyone comes to repentance and God will give everyone the opportunity to repent and be saved.
Thank you so much for answering that, Lyle. If you have a question, you can contact us at Faith FM. The number is 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Ask us all your Bible questions and we will answer those live on air.
Welcome back to Faith FM. It's time for us to give away our uh, free giveaway, actually. All you need to do for this one is be the first person to call us. Uh, the number is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. I was thinking today, Lyle, you know, we've had the rain come in. It's a, it's a hopeful moment for our farmers, for our country. Um, you know, and there is a lot of... Some ba- parts of New South Wales, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of bad stuff happening around the world. But, um, and I thought, you know what, today I think we need some hope. Absolutely. So the book that I'm giving away is called Story of Hope, A Glimpse into a Time When Suffering Will Be No More. Oh, this is a really good mm-hmm. one. I'm so pleased you're giving book. this one, that, one away that today. And on the back it says, how did our world get so messed up? Why is there suffering? Why, where did evil come from? Will it ever end? Uh, questions like these trouble many a thinking person. Science has no answers to them and philosophy has many conflicting answers. Where can we find the truth? And, uh, and so this Bible, uh, sorry, this, uh, this book uh, offers a glimpse behind history's curtains, reveals the origin of sin, uh, some of the ways God has dealt with evil in the past and his plan for resolving it completely in the very near future. So this is Jaws on Bible Accounts, and it's written by E.G. White, and it is all yours for free today, Story of Hope, A Glimpse into a Time When Suffering Will Be No More. Give us a call, and we will send this to you free of charge, 1-800-324-843. Just be the first person to contact us now. There you go. And, of course, we had Wayne Baum on earlier from the Discovery Centre who can connect you with any kind of Bible course that you want. Get a uh, Do a course, get a certificate at the end of it, and uh, learn more about the Bible. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843. We're going to be putting up the Discovery Centre details. Mm-hmm. Um, all so our that, social um, media. Yep, so all on our social there's media. There's lots of different ones. Because like, we talked about the health and, uh, and Seven, the mental health. 17 different courses yeah, currently operating his, out of Discovery Centre. History ones, relationships ones, ones about money, sense. It's a really great list of studies. I looked at them all. Yeah, fantastic courses there. You can even do my dis- my uh, prophetic code course there. Yes, one that Lyle helped produce. Anyway, join us tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. It's been great having you around. You have a blessed day. You are my joy. You are my song. You are the way.
Your love defends me. Your love defends me. And when I feel like I'm all alone.